Welcome back, ladies and gents, to the Peaky Pod by Story Archives on the Midnight Exchange Podcast Network, eventually to be called the Soapbox Podcast Network. Right, Zach? Yeah, we'll get there, but yeah, correct. I'm your other host, Mario, and uh, we're here back again, really hyped, just especially hyped. It's Monday now, and it's been one day since the premiere of Peaky Blinders, the final season, aka season six. Zach, what are you thinking, man? How do you feel? The, your expectations, did the episode meet your expectations of the level of hype that we have been building since, I'd say, the middle of last year? <laughs> I would I would have to say yes. I'm, I'm super excited that uh, we finally, finally have gotten to the final season of uh, Peaky Blinders here. I've been waiting for this for quite a while. I think many, many people have. Um, I would say this lived up to, to my expectations. There, there are some things in the episode that I'm kind of, I'm maybe a little disappointed on or, or, or saddened by, I guess. But overall, I, I do think, uh, I do think this episode was incredible. I think the season's going to be great. And, um, like I mentioned after, after I first saw the episode, I, I think the, the set design and the cinematography in this tops that of the last season, which was already incredible. Mm-hmm. So I'm 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 totally excited to see what else the uh, the rest of the season has in store for us. How about you, you? You know what the vibes that this show was giving me, and just in the first episode, hmm. you watched Breaking Bad, right? Of course. Okay, so you remember the last season of Breaking Bad? No spoilers on the Breaking Bad. Oh God, this is some spoilers. All right, if you spoiler haven't seen alert. Breaking Bad, because this is not the Breaking Bad show, you are going to get a spoiler warning right now. I'm not going to actually drop a spoiler, but if you're, I may give some things away by saying something, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, I'm sure you're going to give you five seconds. Can you count down like five seconds? Five, four, three, two, one. Okay. If you're still here, just come back like in 45 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end, you know, at the end of Breaking Bad, there's like a few episodes where it's like Brian Cranston's character is just trying to put a final knot. Walter White's just putting a final knot on everything. He's mm-hmm. clearly a, like a changed man. He's learned lessons mm-hmm. in, from certain things that have happened to him. And um, it's just a different feel. It's not like that. You just know, you feel things are coming to an end. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and yeah. that's kind of the impression I get with Tommy. That Like for once, this is not like your relapsed cousin, not literally that you have a cousin, but like, you know, <laughs> like somebody that you know that is like, oh, I'm going to change. I'm going to change. And like they never change. They fall back into it. Yeah. You actually get the impression by several different little moments in this episode that Tommy has definitely turned a leaf at least 75%. Yeah, yeah I'd yeah. say that. I mean, as long as you don't piss them off, I think it's 25%. Yeah, Golly. basically. But I, it does It does kind of have that feeling, right? Like, you know, I mean, it's also kind of like when you know you're going to die soon, right? Like, you know, you always want to put the last few things in place. Make sure that that when whatever happens or is going to happen happens, you know it's as it's as smooth as possible, right? Yeah, he's like it um, has that feeling. He's tying up all loose ends, mm-hmm. right? He's making peace. He's not really making peace, to be honest. In this episode, no, he's, uh, he's actually not. starting a couple more wars, <laughs> right? Well, is he is he starting or is he finishing? He's right? instigating. Like, he's he's I mean, both starting and finishing, and but we, only Tommy knows what his true strategies are, right? Yeah, we don't know what his what his real ambitions are. Now, I found it interesting that the title of this episode is Black Day. Yeah. Which the title of last season's last episode season was, was like Black Bla- Monday. Black Monday or Black Tuesday? 
I right? think it was Black Monday, but whatever Black it Monday. was, it was very similar. It's about the stock market crash, and this mm-hmm. day of this season is the um, the last day of prohibition, mm-hmm. which is interesting for a lot of reasons. And this is actually my this is not my seventeenth or forty seventh time watching this episode. Unlike all the other seasons, this is my second time watching this episode. So for the first time <laughs> ever, at least since I first watched Peaky Blinders all those years ago, mm-hmm. I'm I, I don't know what the hell's gonna happen next week, and so I'm literally like everybody else in the world, just along for the ride now. I got to say, my season six predictions were spot on. Like, I'm looking good for those bottles of whiskey, my friend. I am looking good. I like we'll it. See. I'm a little bit drunk off of it right now. But then <laughs> Tommy really took the air out of me because I guess we're just drinking water the rest of the season. Yeah, I was so shocked by that. I'm like, dang, I'm going to have to start the first episode off just drinking water. Is it is it me or his voice is different now? Like, he's no longer gruff Tommy who's kind of half always half drunk on whiskey. Now it's Correct. like a different feel to it. Lizzie he's makes like, mention of it. He's like the, the the chess player right now. Like he's he's just moving the pieces <clears throat> around, but he's fully aware of everything that's going on. Like he it, like he's become. I mean, even in his fighting style that you yeah. see in here, he, it's much quicker. It's not quite as I don't want to say dirty. Well, it's I just, have a I have a point. A I have a okay. point and a uh, prediction on that in that regard. Prediction. All right. Okay. Call me a prophet if this comes true. All right. Mm-hmm. This whole season's going to be a tryout for James Bond, for Killian Murphy. Okay? If he didn't cement that shit in this episode, okay, speaking French out of nowhere. Okay, we haven't seen him speak French at all no. in all the seasons. He has a fighting style now where you can actually picture him taking on a bar of five or six people, which yeah. I never saw that because Tommy's gotten the shit kicked out of him a few times in this in this series. Quite a few. Um, But we can see that this... Now I can see... The unique, the unique angle that Killian Murphy could bring to James Bond as being the first and foremost, probably the best actor to ever be casted as Bond, right? Secondly, as like some sort of like more elevated, sophisticated, educated Bond that knows mm-hmm. different languages. Maybe he's like a polyglot or something like that. Knows like a mm-hmm. bunch of different languages. Like that would be dope if we, if they took James Bond in that direction where he's like speaking French and he's you know. It just takes it from a different approach. He's definitely has more, uh, you know, of an acting range, in my opinion, when it comes mm-hmm. to um, depth and stuff like that. Because Craig yeah. brought out the gritty, complex kind of, blo- so. you know, you know, uh, antagonist protagonist. He's never an antagonist, but like that kind of morally complex character. Yeah. Right? Well, this is not a James Bond podcast, but I just the moment he spoke to the commissioner, I said, "Oh, Stephen Knight is literally t- he literally must have pulled him aside and said, hey, you're going to be James Bond.'" Uh, random r- completely random side note and then uh, we'll jump back into this i just realized i was watching uh the show c on on apple you're the second person this week who's told me about c did you I've, like it? i've been watching it i'm on i'm on like episode five it's it's all right there's some things in there that are really freaking weird just like really weird i'm not even going to get into the details out here okay uh, about how weird it is but um i i just realized uh last night that it's directed by steven knight as well Really? Direct. Yeah. Hold on. Same I'm Stephen Knight. Sure. I think so. Unless I'm just smoking something and, and read something. Uh, you might be smoking wrong. something. There. I don't know. Let, let's see. Who directed C? Uh, no. Hold on. Hold on. I swear I saw his name in it. Maybe it's a different Stephen Knight. I don't know. 
Um, I see Stephen Knight's name in here in IMDb. Stephen Knight is the executive producer. Sorry. He's okay, the executive yeah. producer of episode of 11 episodes from 2019 to 2021. So. Okay, so he just funded saw his it. name that's, popping that's up. It. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I didn't see the title next to it. Pretty cool, though, that thinking that now he's he has the the success from that's the, sec, the success from Peaky Blinders that allows him to executive produce that mm-hmm. I would have to say just going out on a limb here but yeah. um let's get into this episode uh let's get into this episode let's do let's, it let's try to start at the same time now in three all right two one okay awesome now let's get this going scene one we are we get the answer that we are picking up exactly from where we left off it's the night after the failed attempt to assassinate Oswald Mosley. And I got to say, there's something weird about when an invincible character lets you down. Hmm. And the moment I hear, heard the trigger click, oh my God, I, know. I was like, oh my, Tommy actually succumbed to the pressure of trying to kill yeah. himself. Yeah. Which was, you know, it felt like a, in a way like I was betrayed. Like that he took a, he copped out while he had so much responsibility on the table and leaving his, you know, and I'm mm-hmm. not trying to be harsh on him, but it's just, we never see Tommy this vulnerable at his tipping point. Probably no. the closest thing to this at all is when he comes out of the hole in season two, when the red right hand's about to kill him and Winston Churchill pretty much saves his life. You remember that? Yeah. And he comes out and he's his boogers all over his nose and he's going through the field and Mm-hmm. And he's like he's like a man resurrected, and here he's like a man defeated. It's like it's completely. He's a little boy crying out to his mom, which we hear him talk to his mom for the first time in the show ever. He says, "Mother." He says a few words in this episode that I literally mm-hmm. was like shocked when he says, "Mother, they won't mm-hmm. let they would they wouldn't let me go through. They wouldn't let me pass. Yeah. Like there's the guardians of death that won't let him pass." Mm-hmm. You know, they won't let him die yet. He's got unfinished business, right? Like, this th- th- this is all about him finishing his business. Yeah. I won't get into like I'm so confused as to why Lizzie was walking from the opposite direction of the field with the bullets in her hand. It just that doesn't add up to me. Was but, she, or did we just get turned around in in the mess? No, I'm looking at the way he's facing. Unless unless he was walking in the mud and we are being turned around, which is not unbelievable. But why are you gonna wait? I guess she makes a great point. You know, she drops the bullets and says, hey, you want a way out here, your bullets. But at this point, it's like, you know, you pull the trigger, you're, you should have been dead. He's imagining yeah. that he should have been dead. He intended yeah. to kill himself. He lays there completely motionless, too. And now just the energy sapped out of him, you know. The acting's next level. We're back to the traditional, traditional peaky oh, cut, yeah. right? Uh, we're, not that one that they were trying to mix it up because they've mixed it up like every season a little bit. Mm-hmm. But we're back to the traditional peaky cut here. Yeah. Um, it is as shaved to the sides as it was in season one. Very much so. And you I'm know, glad. I, one thing I, I did, I don't know if you if you thought anything of it, but when he gets out of the mud, and he's he kind mud. of looks the camera head on, right? Yeah. And his face half is mud. just completely half half black with mud and, and half white. He's half dead. Yeah. Yeah, he's half in the grave. <laughs> that or it's it's you know we we don't really know which way he's gonna go still right like yeah. is he is he still just gonna take over the party totally intentional Ooh. totally Ooh, intentional yeah i i would have to say though at this point his his ambition and desire to take over that party has to be done right you think yeah he literally just tried to blow his brains out 
you know. Yeah, his, I mean, I could see that. The man had defeated him because you think about his dialogue with Arthur right before. I think I may mm-hmm. have found the man who I can't defeat, and he yeah. literally goes to kill himself. Yeah. Now, I did find it weird that a truck passes by him with a white flag and he pays no attention to it, but yeah. he is in a daze here. Like, what the hell just happened? I was. Li- I think he feels disgusted with himself here. You know, um, mm-hmm. he's I mean, he, definitely been sobered up. Sorry to keep, continue to speak. No, 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 that's fine. I mean, he, he is walking back. I mean, with the gun in his hand, right? So he's still totally in a daze. Like, yeah, even going into his office, the walk is the same. He, I think he still has the gun in his hand, right? I mean, it, yeah. unless you put that thing away, like, you're just kind of like, you don't really know what's going on. You're just yeah. there. Like, see, so he still has the gun in his hand and drops it on the table. Yeah, well, scene two, we finally get our answer to who interrupted the plans uh, or thwarted the plans to assassinate Alva Mosley. Yeah. And it's a call from, what's her name, Swain? I don't know her name, but Something it's the Swain. chick from the Angels of Retribution or the IRA, right? Yeah, she's from the IRA, and mm-hmm. she's um, she's calling him from Tommy's office. I don't know if you noticed that little detail, but that's I Tommy's did. office. Yeah. And she's going through his shit and taking his like pocketbook and... She lets him know that she sent him a truck with a white flag and with mm-hmm. the bodies of his uh, soldiers. And it's here where we really, uh, we do get the Helen McCrory um, send off in a way. Yeah. Uh, the character send off. And we do. The question's answered. And I'm not going to speculate too much as to um, what would have happened if she had lived and mm-hmm. her character would have had a chance. Um, but we do find out that the IRA essentially killed Polly mm-hmm. in order to remove. Tommy's last crutch. And in a way, it's 100% true. It's 100% believable. And it completely, I don't know if they did this on purpose, but coincidentally makes sense that Michael would continue to carry on his war and vendetta against Tommy, considering mm-hmm. that his botched plan led to his, his mother's, mother's death, death. right? Yeah. It's believable now in some sense. Why? But it was still believable before because Michael was kind of whipped by Gina. Mm-hmm. But um, my theory was wrong about the IRA lady kind of being on his side and being a potential ally. So that's one out the window for me Um, because she turns out and just literally is the first time, I think, that Tommy's choices have led to his loved ones dying, except for Johnny, uh, John Boy. Yeah, but it wasn't his choices necessarily there. That killed John Boy. It was, was, um, I mean, he was forced to kill the Chingretta's, what was it, father or uncle or I don't even remember Mm -hmm. what, what what he was to uh to luca yeah but it wasn't just tommy's actions that that made that happen there was a lot of other things in play you know Gotta i was say when i first here. yeah go ahead really go ahead. quick tommy's reaction here to the death of Polly says so much about how much he loved Polly, mm-hmm. where he's at probably the worst day in his life and yeah. um a lot of pressure on killian murphy i'm i can't imagine what the emotions were on set that day to to shoot this scene having spent 10 years with this woman on mm-hmm. set and um this is the send off of her character and she was very much the thread that ties the shelbys together mm-hmm. you know because from yeah. right right from the scene where we get tommy's reaction to seeing polly's body which we do not see on camera or anything like that no. we go straight to her funeral which is in this very dark wood kind of looks like the one that he was by the fire with grace behind him Mm-hmm. And um, she's being buried, uh, and I guess a traditional like gypsy type of ceremony where yeah they they're burn them in the uh, yeah. carriage thing. Yeah, that's what they did with John Boy as well. Yeah, I forgot about that. You're right. Yeah, you know when when I 
it was also it was such a long hold on tommy that entire shot which i mean i mean obviously it was intentional right like it was, it was painful yeah. to watch it's just well he has rough to, he has to carry it it's essentially mm-hmm. i don't know if it's in good taste because i've never seen a show have to deal with this i don't think where a core character the actor passes away before they're able to finish the series mm-hmm. um but in a way they paid homage to her as an actress in a way that still kept you in the show um mm-hmm. i do want to make a note in the funeral because you do get the full cast i think you get your yeah. core cast of good guys and and then your two kind of gray area characters with michael and uh, michael gina. and gina yeah but you see the your... see johnny dog jeremiah charlie mm-hmm. curly ada yep. lizzie arthur finn tommy uh and uh charlie and ruby uh, yeah, you I see was going to say Lizzie, she's there with the kids. Yeah. Yeah. We get we, we do see that common thing where Ruby looks up at her father at the at the funeral of the horse and says, "Are you crying?" Mm-hmm. You know, in season 5 and here she looks up at him again. It's like that's something. There's something there with that that direction. Mm-hmm. Um Michael Finn Cole does a great job here, man. The actor who plays Michael I have a lot more respect for him in, in this season so far right, than I did last right. season. But I think it's also because I've kind of accepted him being the bad guy at this point. Well, I, you know, I see him as like a faux bad guy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. because the thing that continues to resonate in this episode is that he chose so wrong. He chose so, so wrong. Mm-hmm. And by the way, this is the only um, this is the only appearance of Finn in this episode, which is yeah. interesting. And I was just gonna mention when, when we were before it was revealed to us that it was Polly that died. I'm like, who died? Who else died? I didn't yeah. see anybody who died. I'm like, did Finn die? Because mm. he kind of went off somewhere at the end of the last uh, episode of the last season. Get some drink. Get some girl. Get some girl. to kill yeah. a fascist. And yeah. uh, I mean, I hadn't seen him at all. But I had a feeling that this was gonna be the um, when he said, "You've always had a crutch to lean on." I said, "It's Polly," mm-hmm. and that's they had to obviously. She was probably, she was just past the point of being able to be on the show at that point, you know? Yeah. So let's yeah. go into the next scene, scene four, which is four years later, coincidentally, 1933. Yeah. I was going back and forth. I didn't know it was 34, but it has to be 33. Yeah, it has to be 33. I mean, if you look up the end of the prohibition, it was it was in 1933. So that, that makes sense. Um, I was going to, I was also going to note, like, in the trailer that we saw for season six. I feel like so many of the iconic shots we saw in there were all from this episode. Season one. I mean, from episode every, one, right? Almost every single one of them was from this episode. A couple that weren't. Sunburnt mm-hmm. Tommy, we still don't have that. The we don't. We don't have that canyon area. Mm-hmm. There's a, several shots that I'm thinking of in my head. The gunfire and some of the shots of Michael in the forest. So we do know Michael has to come out of prison. Of course. At some point here. Yeah. Um, but we do get a time skip to Michelon Island or Michelon Island, which is a French ter- French territory, a little bit north, yep. somewhere like by Canada, north of the U.S., but with a history of bootlegging prior to Prohibition ending. Mm-hmm. And we see Tommy um, walking through the street similar to the way he does in Birmingham here with the reaction oh, yeah. of the old lady looking out the window and <laughs> kind of a throwback to season one when he's going to Chinatown and yeah. getting on the horse. We got the new pup in here too. Well, I don't think that's his dog. I, I mean, it's it's some dog. I don't but know that dog, damn it, if that dog doesn't fit with him well, like he needs to adopt that dog. I mean, it is following him around pretty closely. I, I feel like like can everything we, that happens in here happens for a reason. Can we find out what breed dog that is? Because I kind of want one, and I'm <laughs> I've been on a puppy fever lately. I have no idea what it is. Now, 
that pup, it's a black dog. And mm-hmm. I remember Harry Potter and uh and the prisoner of Azkaban when he's reading the tea leaves and Professor uh Trelawney's class mm. that he gets the tea leaves that show a black dog, which is Sirius's yeah. um Sirius is uh, whatever that figure is called, it, the animal, whatever the hell it is. Uh, yeah, Animagus. but the black dog is all, yeah, anime, whatever, yeah. animagus. Um, by the way, the scene here where Tommy talks to the commissioner in French—that's the mm-hmm. moment I was like, oh, this this guy is—he's James Bond. It's either him or it's gonna be Idris Elba. Just a, mm-hmm. it's a matter of whether Killian Murphy wants to take on a role that's gonna take another ten years of his life. That's yeah, really we'll the see. key here. I mean, look, if, if you're going to go out like and end it on a James Bond series, right? like, well, he's that's about to be Oppenheimer for Nolan. I, I'm so excited to see that movie as well. Which actually coincidentally started filming last last week, the week that this is, yeah. That's why he wasn't at the premiere of this, I'm assuming. Ah, I didn't know that. Yeah. You know, yeah. when when uh, when we saw the, the people on the boat. I got to find um, the dog that is. And we saw the guy with the mustache. <laughs> My God, does does that mustache make Michael look so different? I for the entire time we saw the trailer, it never even crossed my mind that that could have been Michael. I always thought really? it was an Italian or something. Really, I knew it yeah. was Michael. I knew it was because I, I had no idea it was Michael. I, could, I could not picture him with a mustache like that. Well, you see him um, later in the series. Let's not talk about the trailer because maybe people haven't seen it and tried to avoid it for reasons. Yeah. I like avoiding trailers when I can, mm-hmm. but uh, now that we're broadcasting the number one show about Peaky Blinders on Spotify and wherever you Before listen to podcasts, see it. Yeah. Um, you know, we do have to. We have a moral responsibility to do so. So uh, <laughs> I'm talking up my ass here. Anyways, uh, Tommy goes into this dank, dark-looking bar, which I would go to drink on a regular occasion if Dude, this was in my town. For real. Like, I, like this is, I want to go back to Invasive Species so yeah. bad. Yo, shout it's out to Invasive Species in Fort Lauderdale. Florida, maybe, great maybe bar. Biggest sponsor. It is great if you're ever in Fort Lauderdale. I would yeah, and, and we'll go get you. first rounds on us if you ever actually yeah. visit and see that. Absolutely, as long as there's like only five of you at once. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> unless, unless it's just taken off, but yeah, that's uh, true. we see Tommy in the bar. I, I just labeled it the angry bar, but it's really it's like the unemployed bar because yeah. these are all old bootleggers who have had their job stolen from them, and they're blaming Shelby Company Limited. Uh, of taking over the legal export import of uh, of whiskey and whatever mm-hmm. other alcohol there mm-hmm. they were bootlegging before. Um, we get this. I love the subtitle style of whenever they're speaking in French. Yeah. I'm totally gonna steal this. I'm totally gonna steal this in an edit on a film one day, and Do you're it. gonna it'll be directly from this because in English they have it on the bottom, and mm-hmm. then the French pops up and they float it near the person who's talking. Yeah. Now, great casting all around. Uh, the bartender actually reminds me of a good friend of mine, but, uh, <laughs> Tommy orders water at the bar. Ouch. And this was the second WTF moment in the episode. First, I when agree. Tommy pulls the trigger. Yeah. Second, <laughs> when he says water instead of whiskey, not the word, not the word of the W that I would have thought. Nope. And I was thinking to myself, is this a temporary thing? Is it just because he's going to meet Michael or is this a new thing, new life? Right? Yeah. And I was <sighs> I'm kind of disappointed. I'm be honest. I'm gonna be I, honest. I want drunk Tommy. Come on. I think we will get a, a drunk Tommy eventually in this episode one because he alludes to something here where the the lead angry unemployed bootlegger mm-hmm. uh, approaches him and takes insult that he's ordering water because there's a trend in this episode, and I you know kind of like a little metaphorical uh, statement about this. 
mm-hmm. where Tommy has sworn off alcohol now from what he says is four years, which I'm assuming is after the point that Paulie died. Now, um, what was I going to say? In this episode, he is pretty much demanded to drink three times by three different people. And it's to me, yeah. it's like this, whenever you're trying to do something positive or what you think is positive for your life, there's like this supernatural force that tries to get you to relapse into that thing you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. If you're on a diet and you don't want to eat, it's like that's Somebody when all, that's when everyone's like inviting you out to like, yo, you want to go get a burger, man? You want to go get some fries? You know, like that's when everything starts to like come your way. Mm-hmm. I can imagine it's to the next degree when you're when you're somebody who drinks a lot of alcohol or does drugs or something like that. Yeah, I would imagine. Um, now, his confrontation with the man at the bar is all about the fact that uh, these men, the men of this island, made their livings and are pretty much in a place that you can kind of understand where they're coming from. They don't know where their living's going to come from with prohibition being over, right? Mm-hmm. And Tommy is, we don't know his full intention here. But uh, he definitely is not putting up with, he's not patient for this, which is the second part of his James Bond uh, audition here. Just send this, submit this in when they say, hey. Honestly, like this is, this. I could totally see this being a James Bond It is. Shot. It's totally like, a James Bond the whole moment. scene. Tarantino-esque with the subtitle see, style, by the way. I could see Daniel Craig doing. Yeah, definitely. When he slices, all right. So he's given a whiskey to essentially say, all right, since you're going to take our business, Mm-hmm. I would demand that you say a toast to the poor people of Michelin. Which did you did you realize how much freaking whiskey they poured in that cup? Yeah. It's a glass like water cup. Yeah, and it's just full of whiskey at this point. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't think Tommy's uh, unfamiliar with drinking that much whiskey. No, nah, but you gotta have it in a nicer looking cup at least. Come on. You think Tommy's not drinking here because he is so furious with Michael that if he was on if he was drinking whiskey. He would probably blow his brains out here. No, be- because of what's said later on in the se- in, in the episode, sorry, by Lizzie, which you know I'll, I'll kind of get to once we get there. Because yeah. the statement is so true. And it's kind of like, uh, you know, like, I just don't know what to expect with Tommy in this in the season because of of what's actually happening and then and what she says as well, right? Funny that he didn't quit cigarettes. Of course not. I mean, look, cigarettes and, and, and tobacco is healthy for you, right? At least it was in that time. Yeah. I do well, like uh I do like Tommy's line where he's basically like, you know, I've become a better, a calmer man. Yeah, I love this scene. <laughs> when he when he slices the man open who tries to smash a bottle mm-hmm. across Tommy's head, he says he forced all alcohol four years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh at that point Tommy this is the James Bond part where he shoots him and then shoots the bird that comes yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the accuracy. And then the camera whips around and he, you know, that's just a great shot, man. That whip over to the girl. Did you notice the way that they animated the text away when the camera whipped back? No, I missed it, but I can't rewind because of the way I'm watching don't, right now. Don't worry about rewinding it. You'll, you'll see it again when you get to your 17th time. <laughs> Dude, I'm totally watching this at least twice more this week. <laughs> it was just so good. It's so it good, man. Made. It was really good. Um. All right. So moving on, he makes a statement to these men, and essentially is now needing to prep the room for Michael. We now get the arrival of Michael, who's with five goons. I failed to mention that before. He's like with five or six goons from the U.S. It would seem. Mm-hmm. And um, I he makes an interesting point here because he says, "All right, he's always we're late. He's always early. Let's go." He mm-hmm. makes that point about Tommy. 
every good book that has like a, a mythical, mythically cool character, yeah. they they include details like that. The Count of Monte Cristo, when he has his, when he like survives and re- reinvents himself as the Count of Monte Cristo, mm-hmm. um, there's a specific characteristic of his character that he never arrives early, he never arrives late, he always arrives at the exact time. So if he says he's going to arrive at 9.33, he will be there at 9.33. <laughs> and it's like a character, it's a characteristic of him. Yeah. And so every mythically cool character has that. Lupin has that too, if you notice some of the details about him. Mm-hmm. You know, and Tommy will be in that like pantheon of mythically cool characters when it's all said and done. Yeah. He's always really no matter no matter what it takes. Um how how was the Count of Monte Cristo? I've seen the book so many times. Oh, I've thought my, about buying one it, of my favorite books ever. It's so Harry Potter. Good. Harry Potter and then the Count of Monte Cristo. Wow. Okay. That order. All right. I might, that's high, I might that's high regard, my friend. That's high regard. <laughs> Yeah, anything, anything near uh, Harry Potter. Yeah. Now, um, Tommy mentions that in times of personal conflict, I sometimes revert back to my former, my yeah. former ways. <laughs> it's like Tommy's become kind of Buddhist Zen, and yeah. uh, but I do think it alludes to the fact that that he will have a point of personal conflict that is too much to avoid his old ways in this mm-hmm. season, and that'll be very fan servicey when we see him yeah. order that whiskey again. Yeah. Well, I mean, we just saw him him revert to his old ways when he just cut, yeah. <laughs> cut the guy's face, shot a pigeon, and, and what I think was like a phone or yeah. something on the wall. Yeah. Now, scene six is the meeting. It's interesting to me that Michael is shown with a bunch of cronies and Tommy's there alone, right? Mm-hmm. This kind of points to the fact that Michael's insecure in yeah. terms of being around Tommy alone. And also mm-hmm. points to the fact that Michael is not really in charge here. He's kind of like a, he's an in-between, but he's definitely not the shot caller in this yeah. thing. If he expected to go to America as the shot caller of the operation, mm-hmm. he was sorely mistaken. Yeah. Sorely mistaken. Yeah. When when I first, you know, saw like all of the scenes up to, to the point where, you know, Michael enters the room and sits down, right? Like I... I always got the impression, you know, he was the man in charge, right? Like he's, mm-hmm. he's the guy out front, like kind of leading the group yeah. on the boat as they Up come until here. Now, right? Everybody else enters the room before him, yep. right? I mean, yep. you want to clear the room, make sure it's safe before the boss walks in, right? Well, you do but assume he, he has some down, sort of, right? Like um, he's, yeah, but it, it, it's more so that he's being protected than anything else. It's not yeah. so much that, that it's because he's in charge of anything. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Now he does remind, uh, before we get to this next scene that just popped up. Mm-hmm. He does remind Tommy of the fact that his mother's killers are still alive. And Tommy tells him, like, you know, when you're dealing with a very powerful enemy, you have to wait and you have to strike. You know, Mm -hmm. you have to wait to strike. Mm -hmm. Um, They do. We do get the family scene after this where we see how the family's doing. Where is everybody else at now? We see a bunch of kids. I love actually this scene because it actually feels happy in the Shelby household. You got a bunch of kids running around. It's Christmas time. Johnny Dog's kids are there. He's got a shit ton of kids, apparently. And a Dude, bunch of wives, a lot, too. A lot of kids there. I mean, yeah. come on. I don't know what the gypsy life is like, but why not? Yeah. Did you also hear that the, uh, Charlie the projector provided to them was from Charlie Chaplin? Yeah. Yep. I got that bit. Um, they mentioned his connection with Charlie Chaplin a couple times. Charlie Chaplin mentions him at a dinner in New York, according to mm-hmm. Winston Churchill. Um, did you notice the subtitles are different colors? Yeah. Interesting. I've never seen that done on a streamer before, but I'm I like it. I'm not hundred percent sure why. I, Maybe I like it's just it. the color of the scene. Right? I think like it, it was very blue when it was uh, in the bar, and the, the titles were yellow. And it's really warm here, and it, I think they're white now. No, it's 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 an indication of who's speaking, and the order of which they speak in the scene. Mm. Um, 
because they're the same colors in each scene. Yeah. Now we do see Lizzie and uh, Ada are picking up the pieces essentially of where Tommy and Polly left. Yeah. Specifically, yeah. Ada, I wrote a couple of notes here that she is trying to pick up the pieces that Polly left. She's becoming the new Polly. She's but really she's too. The but together. she she's so kind that it's not. She can't do it. Um, I she, agree. I agree, no. but she's not as mature as Polly was. She's, I mean, she yeah, she's young for many still, more years, right? right? She, yeah, she's still really young. You're right. She is heading that direction. I was very sad to see that Arthur is oh, quite so in the opposite too. position of Tommy. He is in the worst state I've ever seen him in the show. I was sad to see that, but at the same time, it's exactly what I expected. Yeah, we've same. seen his character continue to to, to degrade through through season five, mm-hmm. and has just become more addicted to substances, just worse off in general. Yeah. With everything going on with Linda. Yeah. Uh, I, I, he's yeah. also, I think, I think he was injecting opium in this episode. Because I saw he, an injector. He's now addicted to opium, yeah. Yeah, we'll get back to that because that's scene seven. But the next continuation of scene six happens where Tommy is laying out his pitch to Michael's cronies, really. And uh, we find out that the true boss here is Jack Nelson. Another mm-hmm. one of my predictions coming true. Mm-hmm. I mentioned Joe Kennedy in the predictions of the season. Jack yeah. Nelson is based on Joe Kennedy 100%. 100%. I haven't verified that, but... I know Jack Nelson is a fictional character made up for this show, just like Tommy Shelby is, but I, like the, the relationships that, that the character may have are based, mostly going to be based on reality. They're based on Joe Kennedy, 100%. Mm-hmm. Being in the Oval Office, being a, going to the UK, he's an ambassador there, okay? It's 100%. Got to be based on Joe Kennedy. Now... Which means Gina's a Kennedy. Now, his pitches, now that Prohibition is over, mm-hmm. drugs should start inflowing and take the place of the uh, money that they were going to make through uh, Prohibition, right? Prohibition mm-hmm. bootlegging. And so the deal is let's sell opium. You're, I'll be your supplier. I'm Tommy. And I get p- the purest opium delivered to my uh, warehouse in Liverpool. And I have connections with the French police here in Michelon. Because mm-hmm. I served with this man, and I'm paying him 12 million francs a year, I think he said. And um, essentially, that's what he's pitching to them. He wants to do business with Jack Nelson, who he seems to have a high level of respect for. I would say the only other opponent mm-hmm. that he's shown this much respect for, two, Billy mm-hmm. Kimber mm-hmm. and Winston Churchill. Yeah. And as we find out a little later in the episode, the, uh, Jack Nelson has achieved... What, Tommy what Tommy's won. been trying to achieve. He's ro- risen through the ranks of become uh, of like a gangster, you know, sort of sort of like criminal mm-hmm. to a, a, a powerful, legitimate businessman now into politics. And he his, his name has now been scrubbed of it. Right. And so Tommy like that's that's what that's all of what Tommy was trying to do in the last season. Like he was trying to become that politician. And hasn't Tommy gotten his past erased? Didn't, I was wasn't going it? to say he did mention in this same scene that, you know, it was erased just like mine was. So I, I think, I still think though, Jack Nelson is just, it's a lot farther. Like he, yeah. he's gone a lot farther than, than Tommy. He's, pro- still, he's, so he's, he's probably like 10 years, at, five to 10 years ahead of Tommy in terms yeah. of where he's at. But you do get the sense that Jack Nelson is a feared figure because they, mm-hmm. they mentioned that just mentioning his name is worthy enough yeah, of getting get him killed. killed. Yeah. Uh, we also see Michael kind of jolt back in fear when he says his name. <laughs> so we just we know who the boss is, really. We know mm-hmm. who our players are. It's going to be Jack Nelson, mm-hmm. Oswald Mosley, uh, Jimmy McCavern, 
Just put Alfie Solomons in there, toss him in there because he's still alive. And definitely Alfie Solomons. I mean, yeah. again, like we hear who we hear he about says that. he's going to sell to. Mm-hmm. If, if you don't want to take this deal, well, I kind of want know. that to happen, anyways. You know, what I, I mean? hope it does, right? Because <laughs> I want to, I want to see Alfie and Tommy team up. Yeah, same, same. Which I did not know the Solomons had that kind of reach on the east side of Boston. I, I had didn't no know idea. But there must be another Solomons that we'll get introduced to as well if we're going to mm-hmm. get introduced to Jack Nelson. Now, we find out that Jack makes the calls on everything here, and they're trying mm-hmm. to reiterate that to Tommy while also. Treating him like he's the small man in the room, trying to peer pressure him into drinking whiskey. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to me that these guys are telling him to, you know, act like a man when this guy is the most experienced person in this room in terms of dealing with this BS. Mm-hmm. But I got to give it to Tommy. He kind of comes back to, all right, so when he pulls the trigger, he yeah. essentially betrays what I know of him, which is he's not the guy who's going to actually drink the whiskey. Even if he wanted to drink the whiskey because you told him to drink the whiskey, he's not going to drink the whiskey. Definitely not. And so he gets away with what he wants to get away with and he sows dissent in their ranks Mm -hmm. by um, actually saying a poem that he's like... Oh, I love it. Right? And he he actually is directing that at Michael. Mm -hmm. Right? What is the the poem? He says... There's something I I had a friend and I, I can't remember it and then it talks about now I have a foe. Yeah, he... He's about to say it, but he talks about my wrath. I told my friend and it did go. Yeah. I, it, my, I had a wrath against my foe and it did grow or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, is it not somewhat kind of like was, a... Hold on. Uh, I was angry with my friend. I told my wrath. My wrath did end. Uh, and then with he my goes foe. on to say, I, told him not, it, my wrath did I was angry with my foe. I told it not. My wrath did grow. My wrath did grow. Now, is this not a fig leaf for Michael? Is this not like yeah. stop your ways here, my friend, or is this you the you've already crossed the path of no return? I think he's crossed the path of no return. I'm sorry, it's just I after everything that has gone on, all of the opportunities that that Tommy's given Michael to come back to prove himself, it's just not gone well. Can I mention how killable each one of these cronies looks, especially so the main so. one? Oh my gosh. With those porcelain looking teeth. Oh, <laughs> I want to punch him in the mouth. I want to yeah. punch him in the mouth, man. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, kids can learn from Tommy. Say no to drugs, but do it like Tommy Shelby. Recite a poem. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then on Absolutely. the way out, tell somebody that, you know, that there's an informant in their organization. I feel bad yeah, for the man with the bleeding heart bleeding tattoo. Heart tattoo with, with Maria written uh, yeah. in Did, red. Did you notice that he bypasses Michael and tells him about tells the main crony about the informant? It's almost like a slap in the face to Michael about who's really in charge. Mm-hmm. And I love that he smacks him on the way out on the yeah. back. Of course. Why not? You're still the boss. Yeah. Well, on his way out, Tommy kind of makes amends with the men at the bar. Mm-hmm. And uh, I do like the kind of some of the symbolism here. First and foremost, he's made his statement. He mm-hmm. gives the men an opportunity of employment again. And leaves the bartender some money for the damages and some. And mm-hmm. then another bird flies in that is, he reverses all of the damage he did. He gives yeah. him a job, he pays for the damages and for the drink that he didn't order. Mm-hmm. And then a bird flies in, as if like yeah. to say that the bird came back to life in a sense. So yeah. this is like Tommy, you know, in a sense, reversing all of, it's the tying loose ends thing that we talked about. Exactly. He's, re- he's re- trying to reverse the, the stuff that he's done in the past. Mm-hmm. All right. Arthur 100%. and Ada, the continued dynamic of the Shelby family. Uh, yeah. Again, like still the disappointment here. Like like 
It's like tra- tragic. Is this an injector on the table? Take a look at the right side of the table when you see the shot of Arthur in the Santa suit, which makes it even more sad. To oh, be it's, it's hilarious. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah, I mean, she was like, I'm not Polly, but I'm still your fucking sister. You notice a lot of the camera shots are off kilter in some sense in, in the way that they're angled. Yeah, this one, this one I noticed right away when I first started watching it. I don't know what the purpose was, I but think it's just things are out of control. Yeah, I mean, he's so out of it. Like, I, I think it was just to to kind of emphasize. Look at the out of the table. Is that, uh, is that an inject uh, I, a needle? I can't tell. It was. I hope it not. Because that that would be the next level of of Arthur's downfall if it's if he's actually injecting it at this point. Well, I mean, he he's graduated from. From cocaine, cocaine, which what made him so much better, and alcohol. Yeah. Now, now he's into opium, which is a lot stronger. Right? Like, I mean, we, we've we've yeah. known that and forever. And no, yeah. uh, no appearance of Linda in this episode. So I noticed that too. I was going to ask you a little bit ago. Did you see Linda in here, or did I just miss it? I didn't. I see didn't her. see her. But I, I'm pretty sure we saw her in the in the tra- trailer. I don't recall her in the trailer. Maybe we didn't. Then I know she was at the premiere. I thought so, she was in this episode, but it was Gina walking through prison. Yeah. At first. You know, one other thing that, that I, I think we should have picked up on when we watched the trailer was the shot of the, the woman from uh, the Angels of Retribution or the IRA. I did pick up on that, but I thought well, I, I, know I said I was wrong. Her. I know we saw her, but I feel like I feel like that like we should we should have paid more attention to that, right? Because we've been wondering, like, you know, who betrayed Tommy? Who no, betrayed Tommy? But, but I and remember some, I said she was going to play yeah. such play such a major character in this season. I'm, well, I'm not surprised that it was her, though. I was wrong. I had predicted the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. I had predicted that she did that favor for for him with Michael on the boat mm-hmm. out of goodwill. But it does go to the fact that if someone's on screen in Peaky Blinders, they may have a bigger role later. Yeah, but it's still they're still a rat. Cause how did the IRA find out about the plan? That that was not covered, so there is still a rat. Maybe that Billy maybe Grade. that is uh, the guy that Finn was with. Billy, Billy Grade, Grade yeah. 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 Now in scene eight, we get um. Actually, you know what? It has to be Billy Grade. There's literally nobody else it could be that I could think of. Okay. Um, Lizzie does mention that Tommy's not been the same since Polly died. He's given up whiskey. He's not himself. His voice is dead all the time. Yeah. Which well, goes to say that Tommy's a pretty much a He's a shell of himself. Yeah, she the the line the line that she said that I liked was, "No more Polly, and no more drink, no more Tommy." No, yeah, <laughs> it, no like that's exactly what I what I was thinking when uh when we saw this, right? Because Tommy's not Tom anymore; he's somebody else. I don't know who he is yet. You know, in this scene when he says, "Comrade, do you want a drink?" and he says, "Yes, I do, but I don't drink anymore." I thought this scene he was gonna finally drink. So did I. But here he says, um. What does he say about in regards to it? I have business. So I guess he doesn't drink on business anymore. Hmm. I just want, is it so bad that I want him to have a drink? I'm as bad as the three people who try to get him to drink in this episode. Hey, but we want him to drink. All right. I got to talk about this, uh, this scene. Okay. Yeah, do it. I'll let you take it away. Okay. We see Carl Shelby Mm -hmm. looking up at a portrait of his uncle. Carl is the son of Ada and Freddie Thorne. He's grown up here. Got a deep voice now. It, it's it's fitting, and taller. I gotta say, my prediction is it's looking good right now because I think that what's happening here is that we're seeing a young Carl mm-hmm. who is eventually going to take 
the uh, baton from his uncle. And we get like this symbolism with the phone ringing mm-hmm. that it's almost like the mantle of responsibility. I want to pick it up, but my mom has to pick it up for now. Yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. I know, I, I, I totally to- agree. And I'm, I've agreed with the assessment that uh, Carl's going to eventually take over, but it kind of, I feel like it, 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 it makes me think that my initial thought was right. Like if, if Carl's going to take over the business and take over everything, it's because Tommy has to die. I don't think Tommy's going to die. Was that my prediction at the end? I said you, that both yeah, of them you thought, lived. You thought both of them lived. I said at least one of them will die. My, my Arthur prediction is not looking good based on this no. one episode. I w- You're looking good on a bottle of whiskey right there. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Because <laughs> it's, it's not looking good we'll, for me. We'll end up one and one, one, one at least, yeah, potentially. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Well, we got, because um, the next scene, at this point, my bet's looking really bad. Uh, so any takers on the on the money line there? Because Arthur's passed out an opium den. I don't know how yeah. much has gone on in this one day because it's kind of disjointed with what's going on. But he goes from being in a Santa suit in the kitchen to being in an opium den. So I'm assuming like yeah. a day has passed or something. All right? It's it's possible. Yeah. Now, she finds him passed out high and she makes them aware that he is not to be served anymore, which I do hope is him getting back on track mm-hmm. after this as they start to cut him off because... Next episode should be Tommy back in London based off of what happens in the um, in this, this episode. Yeah. Now, oh, I, we did not mention that Tommy is the tip-off to getting Michael arrested later in this episode. He does tip off the local police in Boston yeah. that, that there's a man who will be carrying a briefcase of opium. And yep. so Tommy's just trying to mess with uh, a certain individual that we we'll mention later. By the way, yes. By the, well, he, he did that in the same scene that the guy was like, comrade, do you want a drink? Did you realize that uh, Tommy says, when they basically ask him, you know, who's who's telling us, he says, a concerned citizen, and he called himself Mr. Jones. Yeah, yeah. Which to me was funny because that means that he he wants Michael to know that he let him out or that he tipped him off. But uh, it's pretty funny to me, that little throwback. Mm -hmm. Like nothing is taken, nothing is done for no reason. I love Gina's entrance here because it's also like an ode to her because she's a freaking a-list badass now in the acting mm-hmm. scene mm-hmm. and she gets an epic intro you know she's going to see michael in prison of course um who's got a nice cell i gotta say mm-hmm. very nice cell very roomy he's got a window mm-hmm. not too bad he's got some lights in there yeah well i mean when you're wealthy right? does, like i mean you get it does look cold some though. sort of special treatment you know um i was i was just gonna mention something so we we kind of called the beginning of the season. We were like, you know, do we do we have a do we have a time skip or a time jump or do we pick up right where we left off? And it was both, right? Yeah, like we picked both. up right where we left off, and then we we skip four years, and Gina ah. decides to call Tommy here the devil. Yes. Does that mean that he's taken Oswald Mosley's place and and that no. part of the story's gone? No. Or no. Is that is no. that to happen? No. That that's not. It. It's just she's calling him the devil. That's it. I mean, he's with the black dog earlier, which is a symbol of the devil. And then his daughter has, you know, as we see the turn that happens later. I looked into that a little bit. I did some preliminary Google searching okay. of All that right. phrase. I didn't. I cleared my search history because I was a little paranoid. <laughs> no, I didn't. I did not do that. But um, she just doesn't like Tommy. That's all I took it as, really. She's just, she doesn't give a crap. Now, at this point, I'm saying Gina has to be a Kennedy. I literally wrote this in my notes. I put Jack Nelson's based on Joe Kennedy. 
and then she she goes to prison, but she noticeably does not bail him out. So that means that they're mm-hmm. delaying bailing him out. Yeah. And she reams Michael. Like this is just a continuation of what we thought was there last mm-hmm. season where Michael was whipped. Now yeah. Gina has shown her face Very completely. Like so. she's a, she's a devil maybe, but um she's revealed and now she's speaking. She's definitely I would say a more prominent star in this season than Michael will be. I was going to say I kind of felt bad for Michael in in this scene. He brought it upon she's, himself. She's controlling him. He, it is very true. He did. His son's but name is Lawrence. He deserves it. His son's name yeah. is Lawrence. I hope you don't have a Lawrence. Do you have a Lawrence in your family? Uh, not that I'm aware of. Okay. Thankfully. <laughs> well, she doesn't approve of his business with Tommy. And um, she's she thinks that Tommy's taking on her uncle and taking on Boston. But Michael reveals that the only reason he's really going to do business with Tommy is to settle the score. In terms mm-hmm. of re- avenging his mother, mm-hmm. it's. I didn't pick up on this on my first watch, which is odd. But in the following scene, when Gina leaves the prison, yeah, she's in the same outfit. Mm-hmm. Which means yep. she just left the prison, and yeah. she's dancing her ass off in this Gatsby Palace, getting drunk, oh my gosh. blasting music. Do you think she cares about her husband being in prison? I don't think she gives a crap, really, honestly. Look at her. I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like a, it's so clear that she does not care about her husband at all. And I actually think that based off of some of the things that happened in this episode, she probably splits from Michael in this season. You think? Yep. All right. Hands down. And uh, this scene really, although we do see where her mindset is in regards to Michael. Mm-hmm. We see her encounter with Tommy, who happens to be in Boston now and... His first and only stop seems, or no, he has two stops. His first stop is to see Gina, who uh, is the third person in the episode who offers him whiskey and he declines once again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what I noticed in this scene is that Gina's trying to take the bull by the horns and she's really trying to make Tommy, like, she's trying to dominate Tommy in this conversation, which does not go her way. No, it really doesn't. It really doesn't. <laughs> Yeah. She she's I feel like she's kind of playing out of her depth. Tommy saying water is like what is the equivalent? It just feels like a fish out of water whenever he says water. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's just a, I can't I can't think of an analogy for it, but yeah, yeah. I mean that's it it definitely feels out of character for him, which yeah. is why like again like I like I don't I'm trying to not expect anything from him in the season cuz I don't know what to expect. If he won't even freaking drink whiskey. He's not the Tommy that I've I've grown to know over the last five seasons. He's a wild card. Yeah, I don't. It's true. He is kind of a wild card when he's sober, mm-hmm. right? But his voice and his demeanor is different as sober Tommy. I don't know if that's deliberate, yeah. but it is is just different. Well, I would imagine it is. Because, I mean, because like he, I, I think it was him who mentioned a few characteristics about himself when he uh, did drink. Yeah, and you know he, he he's much sharper now. And what was the line that he said? I've 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 learned to, I've learned that that whiskey is is gasoline for the for the engines in your brain or something like that. Yeah, something fuel engines for the for the fire. I don't know what it is in your head. Something like that. Now, in this scene, Gina really plays up Jack Nelson and how her her she's essentially they are, they're given Jack Nelson's character the Marlon Brando treatment. Okay, in Apocalypse mm-hmm. Now, where all you hear about is Colonel Kurtz and. 
you hear all these stories and then by the time you see him on screen he's larger than life you know yeah jack nelson's gonna be larger than life by the time we see him because we see that he went through the ranks and uh, now he went from being a bootlegger to being in the Oval Office and that he can't have cocaine on his shoes when he's walking through those doors. Mm-hmm. So Tommy is still, he doesn't seem to want an issue with him because he continues to pay him respect, but he did that to Kimber too. Yeah. And it's essentially, I can respect you, but I can also kill you. It's mm-hmm. one of those things. So wouldn't put that off the table just yet about this guy being completely based on Joe Kennedy. I think it's, I think it's inspired, but not necessarily 100% okay. um, based off of Tommy's past and what I think will happen with him. But, um, yeah, what do you think about Gina calling Tommy boy? <laughs> She's just trying to assert dominance in the conversation. Yeah. Did you get any sort of, like, uh, Gina hitting on Tommy here any any moment? No. No, I think she's just she's playing the cards that she knows she has. When she says the thing about falling on your knees and that kind of thing, I was like, hmm. Not, I didn't think that was like a flirty thing, but she made it sound kind of sexual. And he kind of threw it back at her when he said, of well, course. are you on your knee? You seem to be on your knees for your uncle, not for your husband. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. that seems to be true. Very not, accurate. Not in a sexual way, but definitely her allegiance. Look at what she's living in, for goodness mm-hmm. sake. Um. Tommy does flip the table back on her here where he says, look, I gave up Michael to the police and I did it just because the hell I wanted to because I wanted to give your uncle a dilemma. (laughs) Like he was just feeling like doing it, which immediately shows us who Gina is. She's just, Mm -hmm. you know, she's out of her depths. That's really what it is. Yeah. But he wanted to give uh, Jack Nelson a dilemma. If he doesn't, if he bails him out, it's a bad look for him politically. Mm -hmm. If he doesn't bail him out, it's a bad look for him criminally. The gangs mm-hmm. think that he's gotten soft, right? Yep. So Tommy immediately takes control here. And then he adds the little cherry on top. He says, and if he doesn't buy my opium, I have great connections with the East Boston Jews yeah. and the Solomons, and I will sell them the opium. Yeah. And she, at this point, is completely sobered up, just like Tommy, about, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> about how much of a wild card it is. Oh, man, this episode was great. I, I had no idea Alfie had ties with the East Boston Jews. It's got it's got to be family, not necessarily Alfie though. No, no, it, it would definitely have to be family. I, I didn't mean Alfie specifically, but Alfie's the one that has ties to him. That therefore Tommy knows him, mm-hmm. knows of them at least. So he he has what I would imagine to be very close connections. They do. He does mention that Gina is Jack's favorite niece. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that plays out later, but I would have to say that he probably prioritizes Gina over Michael. So yeah. I, I don't know what that means for Michael. Are you calling Michael a niece? Hmm? I said, are you calling Michael a niece? More priority for um, <laughs> Gina over Michael. Yeah. No, I'm calling Michael a, a pawn. That's what I'm yeah. calling him. That he's replaceable. Gina's yeah, not right. replaceable. But Michael can be left in jail and Gina can remarry. Of course. That's what of I'm trying course. to say. Um, what, a, what a way to clean clean your name of criminal activity. Okay. Scene 13. Who Tick is the woman Oh, it's a hooker. Bed. Just a hooker. But she's hot. <clears throat> like she, I mean, she owned her moment. Um, yeah, got right out of bed, got dressed and left. She not, but she comes up to get her money and she looks. Hmm. I, Anyways. Missed, I missed the money transaction. 
Ticknamora Obang Obang? <laughs> Can you you know is that what it is? Something like that. I I, I couldn't quite uh couldn't quite catch it. Yeah. Well, it's obviously not a thing you want to hear your daughter say because this not scene this scene takes the cake, man. This scene takes the cake. I really felt like we were getting the old Tommy back here for a moment. I wrote the exact same thing. I said, this is the first time we've seen a reemergence of old Tommy here. And by the way, I did not look at your notes. Okay. So I did completely coincidental. That That's okay. That I that. actually didn't write in my notes. Oh, you I didn't? I just had it in my yeah. head. No. Yeah. I wrote that in mine because the scene's completely calm. We get Tommy who wants to see his family. He misses his daughter. Mm-hmm. But we find out that she's sick. She has a fever. And she's delirious. Oh, this is the money exchange part, but maybe she doesn't show herself. Anyways, um, turns out she's saying something while she was delirious, which is a a gypsy phrase. I looked it up. Essentially, it's, what does it mean? It's something about, um, it could mean death. It could mean, like, there's a lot of different things it could mean, Hmm. but mora comes from the Latin word, which means death or Mm -hmm. something like that. So I think Tommy thinks it as a danger of death for his daughter. Mm. Which is why uh, he goes, into the, he flips out, man. When this scene takes a change of tone, mm-hmm. I was like, the season is bringing it all. Because we still get, this is Tommy switching plans completely. So we do not get a completely composed and controlled Tommy. He's still controlled by some former things. He hasn't released everything, you know? Mm-hmm. But we do see a Tommy who seems to be more grounded. He wants to carry his daughter. He's talking about that. And um, it just completely turns. It's like just like out of nowhere, we get like this moment of conflict that arises. Yeah. That is so, it feels so harmless at first, but just explodes out of nowhere. It goes zero to 60. <laughs> that, Are you doing research on the phrase? Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't look it up because I kind of missed exactly what was said. But... Are you scared of looking it up? <laughs> Am I scared of looking? Why would I be scared of looking it up? I don't, I don't think know. I'm going to see anybody with green a super, eyes. A superstitious thing? <laughs> I still think you should prank uh, prank Michaela if I just start ch- saying that in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> I'd get kicked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm messing around. But honestly, I that thought ran through my mind while I was looking it up. I was like, what am I looking up right now? Am I looking up some yeah. sort of gypsy freaking curse? <laughs> oh my God. Can Google wipe this? Uh he freaks out. Long story short here. And he, uh, my qualms about Johnny Dogs not being loyal were thrown out the window in this scene because yeah. Tommy essentially is like, listen to Johnny Dogs mm-hmm. by all means. And then he starts talking about all sorts of witchcraft, like put a black yeah. Madonna around her neck, keep her yeah. away from the rivers, keep her away from the horses, keep her out of school. And they, she mentions a man with green eyes. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that's about. I was I I wrote on my notes like you know is the man with green eyes Jack Nelson? No, I think it's the devil. I think it's the devil, because what's happening here is there's a the light flickers. So Oswald, does he have green eyes? I don't know. I mean, but who? The only people we we've heard compared to the devil at this point is Tommy. I don't think and that, Oswald. I don't think that matters. I think it's representative of death and a threat to their life. Now it might be a metaphor. But I, I really think it has to do here that Tommy is he's superstitious as a gypsy and mm-hmm. he believes in all this. And what also happens in the scene is the light flickers and we get this sense that Polly's in the room with him and he starts to talk to her. Yeah. Which means that Ruby has I looked this part up, Ruby has inherited the second sight that Polly has. Because they're always remember how they're always revering Polly. She's always predicting that 
Ada's pregnant and she knows the gender. And then that yeah. deleted scene that if you guys have not watched by now, uh, shows that there's going to be a war with Tommy and Michael. Mm-hmm. Um, now Tommy mentioned something here and I had to write it down and maybe you know what he means. He puts, they know I'm trying to get out, Paul. They're coming for me. What is that about? He mentions that. He says that to Polly, or the spirit of Polly. Mm-hmm. What on earth is that about? Is it I that he's trying no to die again? Is he trying to get out of the... Is he trying to escape his crimes? Is What is that about? Well, I don't think it's that he's trying to die again. I think it's more so that he's trying to get out uh, yeah. of, of you know, the political party or the getting out of, out of the criminal history, right? Because, I mean... they yeah right like if if they are are coming for him it wouldn't it wouldn't be to stop him from killing himself or anything like that you you might be right about the mosley thing if he's trying to get out of that political thing maybe the irish are synonymous with green the color green Mm. the ira is part of the they're pretty much the ones pulling the strings there Mm -hmm. with keeping everybody in line Mm -hmm. i would like to know what their historical uh influence was during the lead up to world war ii Whoa, who was, who was the, what was the name of the IRA woman? Do we not know? Swain, something Swain. Uh, mm-hmm. While you look that up, I'm going to talk about the final scene of this episode. Tommy visits Michael in prison, informs him. Essentially, Michael, Tommy visits him pretty much to kind of gloat in Michael's face of the control he has over his life and kind of do like a little victory lap around him. But I, mm-hmm. I also think that Tommy has other intentions here. Mm-hmm. Um, he tells him that Jack has no intention of bailing him out based mm-hmm. off of what would it look like for him in the Oval Office. And then he also tells him that Jack is on his way to London with five people that he's bought passage for because mm-hmm. Tommy knows this because he apparently has insiders in Jack Nelson's camp. But he's yeah. taking his wife, his mistress. I, w- I think it's FDR who's in power at this time. Uh, Gina and himself. So no Michael. Michael has been axed, which I think this is the final nail in his coffin that shows that he has chosen his allegiance incorrectly. Agreed? Mm. Yeah. Uh, he, my, Tommy also kind of rubs it in his face and says, I have no limitations. It's, <laughs> it's great. It's great. Tommy really does feel like he has no limitations, and we yeah. see that in just everything he does. But uh, he also rubs it in his face again. It kind of goes back to like the little thing with Gina. Gina's coming to London, Michael. I'll be happy to show her the sights. He's kind of alluding to some some friskiness there with Gina, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I wouldn't be surprised if that happens in the season. I'm going to be 100% honest. 100%. Wouldn't be surprised. No. Now, is it? it's FDR in power at this time. I'm almost 100% positive. Let me look it up. I'll, I'll, I'll look it up. I wouldn't be surprised. Yes, 1933. Correct. 1933. Yeah. Franklin D. Roosevelt. So who's his son? FDR's son. Are we going to meet his son too? I do not know. Franklin D. Roosevelt. I'm not too familiar with FDR Jr. The family tree there. Now, could it be that Jack Nelson's just trying to hook up Gina with FDR's son. That's what I think is happening. Why not? I don't, why though? Because Michael's gonna be out of the really, picture. Not Michael's, necessarily. I, I think he how, is. I don't know how that would really play into the current um, 
the current plot. I just I, I don't see that. I don't really think it'll be a big piece, but I just think it's like a little subplot. Why would he bring FDR's son and Gina's there and her husband's in prison? It's mm. because Jack Nelson's always thinking about generations and his what he's leaving behind. A man like him's always thinking about the legacy, right? Mm-hmm. So would she ra- would he rather the son-in-law who just got busted for smuggling opium or would he rather FDR's son, the son of the current sitting president? Well, of of course. I, I still just, I don't know if, uh, I just don't know, like, like I feel like Gina w- would be removed from the picture and from the story if, if that were to happen. Because mm-hmm. what significance would she play with Tom? No, no, I, I don't think, else? I don't think that she's going to play a significance in terms of the final plot. I don't, I don't really see it. I, I mean, I would be surprised if she doesn't, but I personally don't see where she fits in here other than maybe we'll find out next episode since she's coming to London. But that does conclude. That does conclude uh, episode one of season six. Mm-hmm. All time great. I think so. Honestly, like I, I think this this definitely tops first episode, first season for sure. Not just in terms of production quality, but it was written really well. The acting was great. The set design was was. I mean, I mean that is kind of production quality. That was great. But all in all, one of my top favorites. You. Um, I'd have to agree. Every season has its, you know, has its like moment, right? Mm-hmm. But in terms of expectations and living up to them, this one mm-hmm. ta- probably takes the cake because my expectations were like astronomical. Like it was yeah. very, it would have been easy to fall short of my expectations of like where this pilot should have been. Yeah. Um, and they, to me, they, they just did they it without it. a hitch, man. They killed yeah. it. Now I was looking back at my season six predictions. (laughs) Okay, I've got my season six predictions. Tommy defeats Mosley. Tommy's Mm -hmm. redemption. Michael dies or ends up in prison. So that one is already correct. He's in prison. (laughs) (laughs) Looking good here. All of my poly ones are wrong. Um. Yeah that 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 was the thing that I was kind of disappointed about. I thought they had time to film some things before she passed, but apparently not. Mm-mm. But I, I, I do think, uh, I do think they, they did the best they could. They, yeah. They, they did a good job. Arthur finds it's a terrible situation. Arthur, it really is. Arthur finds peace with a new woman or redemption with Linda. Linda's out the picture. So I don't know what happened there at the moment. She has at least I put, Ada gives birth to her baby and finds her place next to Tommy in the business. Now, she does give birth to her baby, but we, it's off camera in the time skip. We do see Younger's child. Hmm. And she is very much the new Polly in the business. Yeah. Uh, while Tommy's out of town, it's her. Arthur's a mess. Uh, okay. I, I do think uh, you're, you do have your one bet of Al Capone as a deciding factor in the war against Tommy. I said no Capone. It's looking know. good. That one is know. looking we'll that one is looking good because especially now that we have Jack Nelson, there is a connection there with Joe Kennedy mm-hmm. in the Chicago scene that has to come into play in the 1930s. It has to. Has to. Cuz I we'll think see. Yeah. Is that a bet? What were the three bets that that will land uh some winning bottles of booze here? Maybe uh, there's bottles only, of there's water only two now. bets. Yeah, <laughs> bottles of water. Yeah, why not? Some Evian. Yeah. Uh, your two bets are Arthur and Tommy both survive and okay. find Arthur finds a new woman to calm his mind. 
Your second bet is Al Capone is the deciding factor in the war against Tommy. My bet was basically the opposite of both of those, right? Either Arthur or Tommy dies. That's not. You shouldn't be able to hedge your bet like that, but it, it doesn't you, matter. You, you gave me I that did one. give You're permission like, hey, on that. You can do that. So, yeah. so that one has approval. The other one is just <laughs> no Capone. I just don't I don't think Al Capone's going to gonna come into play here. God, I'm looking at one and one right now because Arthur looks such in bad shape right now. <laughs> he looks like such. I should have done the Carl one, but the thing is, we both agreed on that, so I think that's why yeah, we, we chose not to do that. Exactly, we both thought the same thing, and it's, yeah. it's the most logical sense. Finn, first of all, he's nowhere to be seen in this in this season, aside from like what the the shot at the. At I Polly's did funeral, that. I think. That was one of my predictions. I said he's met with a tough choice between Tommy and Michael, but he chooses Tommy. Mm-hmm. That's looking good right now. Yeah, I also put Gina and Mosley have an affair or hook up. That's well, not that's less look- of a prediction and more of a who was he actually screwing? No, I found out that at least according to Reddit sleuths that that's, that that wasn't her. But mm. and I also paused it several times to make sure that sure, it wasn't that, her. That's why you paused it. Listen, <laughs> honestly, the Gina affair is looking good, but not with Mosley. I think that there's another affair that happens with Gina. Um, well, I don't think she we'll cares about Michael. I really definitely don't. not. What the heck? She she's- cares about power. She's hungry for power. I think Paulie called that. In the last season. I think anybody with eyes could have called that. Well, I'm, I, yeah, but nobody else did. That, that's the point. Um, beyond that, the other, the other thing that you thought was when McCavern dies, he'll die as if he was crucified. And it's just in, in the position, not yeah. necessarily pinned to a cross. Should have put that one as a wager. Um, but you also had... <laughs> man for for somebody who likes a lot of characters you you predicted a lot of deaths too michael dies and his child and then you also wrote finn dies i don't uh i don't know if is the name does through. the name lawrence count as some sort of like <laughs> does that count as like something wrong with <laughs> i don't know we'll we'll, we'll we'll wait till we see his face uh, um, i'm just kidding i'm just kidding actually yeah man, i know some cool lawrence's We'll, but, uh, we'll see we'll see what comes out of out of the rest of the season but i'm i'm super super excited for the next episode let's kind of hold off any any predictions that we might have um we can do like a bonus episode for this episode if anything and, and just kind of chat about what we expect oh uh, yeah happen. yeah we gotta do might that be a, might be a fun little thing so our episode format to the audience now i talk uh our episode format is going to change we're going to do one of these recaps every monday to post on tuesday mm-hmm. um and we will be doing. Actually, there will be one Monday that I cannot do. It's fine. Uh, it'll it'll be roughly Monday, Tuesday for recording and, and posting the the recap. Yeah, and then we will also do a bonus episode each Wednesday, which will kind of just be a lead up and our predictions for the for the episode that's yet to come. So for sure, what are we scheduled for in terms of this ending? We have. What do you mean? First episode. Well, there's six episodes, right? Yeah, six episodes in every season. There's six seasons and six okay. episodes. So April 3rd should be the last episode unless the BBC does this thing where they do a gap in between the season and they give you like a week off. Mm, interesting. Uh, some some that, shows some shows do that where they do take like a one, a week or two week break. Sort of I was going to say that's a, that's a day before my birthday. So that would be a really nice present to have this thing finish. April 3rd? My birthday, yeah. yeah. Nice. Well, you might be getting a whiskey bottle for your birthday, my friend. <laughs> All right, then. All right. We'll see. All right. I, I kind of hope I do, but at the same time, like, I don't, like, like the, the outcome of Tommy or Arthur dying. But Yeah, we'll, it's we'll not see. a good bet to win. It's like, not a good bet. It's just I feel like it's going to happen. You would be so, sad drinking. I, I would be. I would be. But, it, I mean, 
it's also a good reason to drink, right? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, two, all right. two, qu- a couple questions real okay. quick, and then okay. we'll, we'll kind of okay. close it out. Um, I'll start with most memorable characters. We know Tommy is one of them. Tommy, he's obviously one of them in this season. But beyond Tommy, well, should we always just do that? Should we always just have say yeah, like, like Tommy's always going to be one of the most memorable characters? Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to go with um, Jack Nelson. Jack, not the man we don't know. Yeah, he yeah. was pretty memorable. Um, Who else do you think about when you leave the episode? It's it's pretty much him. I mean, but, when I leave the episode here, so much of it's just Tommy. Like you're following Tommy around like all the time in this ep- like this one episode. Which I mean, I guess we kind of do in every episode, every season, right? But this one really felt like a like a walk along with with uh, with Tommy. But beyond that, I would I'd have to give it to michael because he's the only i mean since the the opening of the season he kind of like vowed his his revenge against tommy to his mother at at her funeral mm-hmm. and after four years later right like he's kind of come a long way sure he's not the man in charge as as you know we uh we can obviously see but he's picked on the most but but he's working for who's probably the most powerful person that we're aware of in the storyline at this point which is jack nelson so My, i think uh, i think i'll give mine to to him as far as those in the episode i'd have to give it to ada and carl because the sh- the way they filmed the scene with carl hmm. he's not a hothead he's intellectual mm-hmm. in his manner he's serious he's serious and somber he reminds you of tommy in a way and he's looking up to tommy mm-hmm. in admiration the phone rings the way they do everything is like everything is just pointing to the fact that it's very much like a Michael Corleone type of figure. Who's going to mm-hmm. take over for the Godfather, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And it just seems to be like it's going to be Carl. And I think, how does Tommy die? Carl's too young to run it now. It would have to be that now. A few, but a I'm few also wondering past. if if we have like another time skip in here. I I, could, I, I could kind see, of don't think we would, but I could see it. I could see two time skips. I could see one. That just happened in this episode. Mm-hmm. And I could see one in the final episode after mm-hmm. all of the conflicts have been resolved. Yeah. Um, and a time skip towards what's forward. Yeah. Uh, but I do wonder if Carl's involved in any sort of criminal element of the of the of the business or not. I would I would also note though, like historically the Peaky Blinders were a gang filled with young people. I think we're past right? like, Peaky Blinders at this point. Yeah, I mean, we're past like the razor blade gang for the most part. Like we don't we don't get a lot of that. The Shelbys are out of it a lot, but uh, I mean, the Shelbys are very much a part of the Peaky Blinders and, you know, I, I think being involved with this stuff at a young age is just kind of part of the, part of the the nature of the beast for for them. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, were you going to say something? Nope. Okay. Next, next, and last question. Well, no, I got, I've got one more after this. Best scene. I'll go. I'll go first. Mine was the entire bar fight. Yeah, yeah, we had the same one. Yeah, we got the same one. It was great. It was a lot of a lot of conflict, a lot of suspense in the room. It was Mm -hmm. great. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just, I really love, I love the. uh, I have to agree. I really do like the James Bond vibe from from the uh, from the scene there. Yeah, it's book it. 
Book mm-hmm. it, man. I got to say that one, the Carl scene, and I did like the intro scene where we pick off, pick up with him in the It was field. It was great, but I I loved it, but I didn't – you kind of love it for the wrong reasons. I don't know if I'm saying It's just that, well, right, but well done, it's, right? It's just really well done, but even though I love it, like I'm also dis, like severely disappointed in it. I'm severely disappointed in Tommy. Yeah. Yeah, that's the turmoil you face with some of these shows. You you grow to love the character so much that it's like mm-hmm. anything that they do that's outside of what you think is in their character is seen as a betrayal. Yeah. But it's not necessarily, you know, the wrong thing, right? Mm-hmm. Any other moments that stood out for you? I know we, we kind of already talked about the Carl scene. We talked about, you know, the, the bar fight, which was great. Like, you know, we could we could see Killian Murphy becoming a, a potential James Bond. Maybe we'll see. Um, anything else like that kind of piqued your interest or stood out mm-hmm. um i mean lots but too much to mention here yeah too much to mention here i think we can cover that more on wednesday yeah i was just or, gonna say um i'm i'm really interested in the the storyline for arthur at this point mm-hmm. like i i think that's that's probably the biggest question mark outside of just you know the overall season and what's going down with tommy and michael but We'll chat about that and, and talk about our predictions on Wednesday. Okay. Well, that's uh, actually it's not going to be Wednesday this week. It'll probably be. It'll probably be Thursday. Thursday. If I posted realistically, but yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, that's all. Thank you all for tuning in, Zach. You do the rest from here. For sure. <laughs> go ahead and pull up that phone while I while I yeah. go over this. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for listening to the first episode of season six of the Peaky Blinders again. I'm super excited that this is out. I'm so, so ready to watch the next episode this Sunday. But uh, you can expect more podcasts for each episode this season. And you can find them anywhere that you find podcasts, Spotify podcasts, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts. Uh, you can find uh, Story Archives on Instagram at Story Archives. Um, and you can also visit the website at storyarchives.themidnightexchange.com, which leads us into the podcast network. You can visit the website there at themidnightexchange.com. There's a whole bunch of links to social media. There's a podcast there as well. And uh, if you want to send us an email, maybe maybe you have something you want to bring up about the show, you want to tell us something, a little nugget or something that you found interesting, uh, or you want to even suggest another show that we can work on in the future, go ahead and send us an email at podcast at themidnightexchange.com. Love it. Thank you all for tuning in. We look forward to the rest of the ride that we're going to be on for this whole season and um, the beginning of the end, but it was a good start to that end. So on to episode two. Have a great week, everyone.